1: To start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Moraski teeing off on one another. And Tom is
0: just pounding away at Robinson. These he said Tom this is a guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well it's called like it is. Tom a boon. Getting closer, he reaches in a right back right, right. He's not
1: that He's just for it. Still Gripson. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Still Gripson. this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vinnie Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Victor. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. The sheer stagger by a big
0: on a penalty shot. Scores! guard down the wing. Blue guard bombs away. Score! Number 47
1: for Boston. Both guys, five minutes deep for fighting! This should be good. This should be very
2: good.
0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 34 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who drop the gloves and, of course, the fans who love to watch them do it. Today's guest is one Mr. Doug Mann. Doug fought a lot of tough dudes that we go over, he fought in the Sunshine League, the Dub, and then even the the old Southern Pro League or the CHL at the time, I believe, and that was with uh, a lot of fights with Columbus. And, of course, uh, those listening, if you've listened to the previous episodes, of course, with Tom Wilson. Um, no, it's not the Tom Wilson you're thinking of, but he goes over being teammates with him and kind of growing up with him. So, hearing a lot of a lot of fun stuff from uh, Doug in this one, and he was even kind of an inspiration. Well, I shouldn't say an inspiration because they kind of got it wrong. But uh, if you go on to uh, what's it called? It's like the it's like the hockey DB for for movies. I think it's IMDb or something like that. The fun facts or whatever for the movie Goon. His goal is noted in there, and it was the. The time where Doug scored off his ass in the playoffs. So uh, Doug's on there. Uh, of course, Doug Mann, not Doug Glatt. But he, his goal is listed on there, but of course it, it actually all went off as of something else. I believe it was like his shin or something like that. We'll have to, uh, I can't quite remember from the interview. But nonetheless, uh, he was he's listed on there. So if you go check out the Goon IMDB, you'll see Doug Mann's goal listed on there. So it's a little fun fact and uh, kind of funny, actually. So, no, like I said, I had a lot of fun with this one, and sorry this is a little bit late getting out. Like I said, normally I I, um, I always like to release these on Tuesday, but uh, been backed up with work lately and been s- swinging a hammer and breaking up a lot of concrete these past two days, and in Florida heat and humidity, ooh, not fun. <laughs> but just happy to be working at least, so I can't complain too much. Um, but no, so like I said, I've been actually pretty tired the past couple of days, so I, I apologize. But nonetheless releasing it today well i guess today is technically tuesday but i've done this i've done this the past two weeks uh, i try to get it released on tuesday tuesday morning but i end up releasing it tuesday night but either way content's coming out so that's all that matters um and also in the back burner i got interviews the next one that's coming out next week will be with chris McAllister, nhl tough guy and that was a lot of fun interviewing him and uh talks about some of the he fought some big boys so talks about a lot of the fights like uh you know scott parker and guys like that um So be on the lookout for that one next week. And then in the week after that, I got Craig Stahl coming on. So, you know, we had almost three, I think it was three hours of an interview with Craig Stahl. So that went on for a while, and that was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, I got some content and got some some interviews. I I probably won't be able to get an interview done this week, unfortunately. Uh, But like I said, I got two interviews in the back burner anyway, so I think it'll be all right. But just pretty busy with work and uh, I got beer league tomorrow and Wednesday. Yeah, I gotta go, gotta flex the ankles and get the bender going. So, (laughs) but um, no, like I said, got some content for you guys. So hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody will enjoy it and give us a listen. But, um, you know, not too much on this intro. I'll make it quick here. But, you know, got to give the shout out to the usual cronies and the the usual suspects in the lineup there. And that's, of course, Darren over at the fourth line voice. Um, He just had an episode. I believe he just re-released, excuse me, the episode with Chris Waltz. So that one is out. And you can go back and listen to that one. And that one is awesome. Uh, Waltz was a tough, tough dude. Um, And he was actually on another podcast, of course, I mentioned, is the Bucket Drop Podcast. And Darren was just on there for the top ten L N A H enforcers. And that was a lot of cool listening to that one. And I'm I'm up to two. I got I got up to the final two, I think. Yep, that was what it was. The final two today in the car ride and then got home. So I might I might have just listened to it after this intro just to hear uh hear what his top two answers are but yeah, so that came out. It had part one last week, and then part two on the bucket drop this week. So a lot of fun with that. I always enjoy, especially L&H talk, but uh, always enjoying Forrester talk, naturally. so um but no, go check that one out and go check out Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles. And Joe actually just released a merchandise store. So that's pretty cool. And you can go get your, uh, excuse me, Coliseum Chronicles merchandise. Uh, you can check it out. I want to say he's doing a sale today. And he does stuff uh, it's just for today. And it's a coupon code for uh, 15% off, I think it is. Which I think it's actually a uh, coupon code VUCODA. So <laughs> got to love it keeping the enforcer even in the coupon code. That's fucking brilliant. But, um, yeah, and also, you know, speaking of fourth-line voice, he is doing the Bob Probert Invitational, the fourth annual. And, you know, those listening, you might be wondering, what the hell is the Bob Probert Invitational? It's a 64-man competition, uh, enforcer competition on Twitter that he runs. And so he basically puts together 64 enforcers um, all through the NHL, and he kind of interchanges some guys uh, year by year. But... Basically, it's a big bracket, and it's kind of like March Madness. I think that's normally when he releases it is when March Madness is kind of going on. But, of course, with COVID, and everything's changed a little bit. But nonetheless, so you basically go in there, and there's hypothetical matchups of guys who have never fought. Uh, There's some tough ones out there, too. Believe me. I mean, fuck. Uh, Round one drew George LaRock and Dave Brown. So have fun trying to decide between that one. That's a tough one. But basically, hypothetical matchups, sometimes guys have already faced their opponent. sometimes they don't. So that's the fun part about it. You get in there and discuss everything. And uh, for just a week and a half or so, it it sheds some light on the enforcer, and you get to have a lot of fun with that. So the the guys who have kind of been forgotten in the game get brought up for a week and a half, and a lot of people are involved. And um, a lot of players are involved, too. A lot of players enjoy it. You know, I saw Todd Fedoric talking about it and some uh, Flyers writer talking about it. So, uh, no, it's good to get the boys' names out there and get the discussion going because you always talk about McDavid, Crosby, Ovechkin. Well, just for a week and a half, we'll, uh, like I mentioned before, we'll pull that old book off the shelf, as I say, and get it, give it a good read and listen to the Enforcers and, uh, you know, vote for them and shine some light on them for a little bit. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, I was thinking about not doing this, but I'm going to fucking do it anyway. <clears throat> So some asshole wanted to tweet at Darren um, and, you know, basically shit on the competition. And, of course, what does he have to do? He has to go and at fucking Carcillo. um, Shocker. And it's funny. It's ironic because the whole reason Darren does that tournament and people uh, participate in it is to get going and talk or excuse me, get to talking uh, about the boys and get conversation going because the excuse me, can't even talk fucking mush mouth over here Um, but no, the NHL and a lot of fans like to sweep that under the rug. Oh, it's the dark times or those guys were plugs or goons or idiots. Oh, he's going to sit there and tweet it Darren. Oh, he's it's a competition to see who can get killed the fastest. Are you seeing this shit car bomb? Fuck you, buddy. Seriously. The entire reason we're doing it, or I should say Darren's doing it, but all of us on the, the group part or not group, the, uh, the fight groupish, I guess our, our knit group on Twitter. There we go. Jesus. Um, the whole reason you do it is to shed some light on the boys and bring them up for a change because, like I said, it's always about Crosby, McDavid, and Ovechkin. Not saying that it shouldn't be. They're the superstars of the game. But for the love of God, it's to not get those guys swept under the rug and get their names out there. And this guy wants to sit there and try to shit on them and shit on the whole thing. Oh, it's so stupid and blah, blah, blah. And then he he goes on the Bucket Drops tweet, which uh, Bobby over there tweeted about Darren being on as a guest because I believe that episode was just released today today. And goes on there and wants to try to call everything out. Like, fuck you, dude. Everybody. All, like, it's it's always these fucking idiots that sit there. Sorry, I'm probably going to use a lot of F-bombs here just how I am once I get going. Um, But oh, these fucking idiots, they sit there and they think they're doing something. Oh, I'm the white knight. Look at this car bomb. It's like fucking it's like going and in tattletale into the teacher. Like, oh, teacher, teacher. Look, he did it. Fuck you, dude. Seriously. And that's the only time they give a shit about these guys. You know, I'm not saying we're the end-all, be-all of enforcers, whether it's podcast or it's, you know, us just bullshitting about it, even on Facebook. But seriously, we're the ones who bring light to them and give them the time of day when others won't. But the only time they'll fucking sit there and act like they give a shit is when they could get their shining night moment and fucking sit there and tweet at Carcillo like they're doing something good. Yet they don't realize that the whole reason for that competition is to fucking bring those guys to the limelight a little bit. And it's funny because the players, he's sitting there, he thinks he's protecting. They're participating in it. They're, they're giving their feedback like, oh, fuck, yeah, he would shit can me or, oh, yeah, I, I beat him a couple times or, you know, talking about their teammates. Oh, I played with so-and-so, so this fight would be cool. You know, it's, it's shit like that. But meanwhile, we have idiots on Twitter, and this is the reason I fucking can't stand Twitter. Luckily, we have our little niche fight community there. That was the word I was looking for earlier, not group community um that's the whole reason that they're on there is to sit there and talk about it because nobody else will but now you know here comes fucking joe Schmo wanting to sit there and act like he's doing something good and of course anytime anything enforcement is brought up or fighting oh here you go here carcillo look at this look at this look what they're saying fuck off dude like oh my god you know, fuck, it's, it's just so frustrating because everybody wants to act like they fucking care, but what do they do? They don't give a shit. They don't go out of their way to give a fuck about these guys. They give a fuck about a quick tweet to make it look like they give a shit and act like they're fucking progressive. So... Guys, with that, you just if if any of you listen to this podcast, which I highly doubt, but in all honesty, fuck you, like <laughs> God, it just gets my blood boiling. I don't know if it's this hot, the Florida sun that's getting to me, you know, working it outside a couple days in a row here, uh, busting up concrete, but holy fuck, I was just I don't know, it just it just. Really makes me mad because, like they, like I said, they just think they're doing something good. And, of course, got to go to the White Knight on Twitter, which I've had guys on here. They'll tell you what they think about Carcillo, and I promise you, and I'm not saying Carcillo's wrong. There's parts of his argument I agree with. The way he goes about it, and I'm not talking about the hazing. The hazing is a completely different animal I'm not gonna get into because I, I don't know anything about that or what Aki's or like what, what might have gone on with that. So I I'm not talking about the hazing stuff he's talking about. I'm talking about the brain injuries and the CTE and the fighting and everything like that. And I've got guys on here on both my show and Darren's and over at Fourth, La- or excuse me, um Joe over at Coliseum Chronicles. Had guys on there a lot more fights than Carcillo and they'll fucking they'll tell you exactly how they feel about him. Mike Segroy is a perfect fucking example, and he's even called him out on Facebook and everything like that. And I think Segroy uh maybe be a little bit more credible than Carcillo. Now again, I'm not saying brain injuries can't happen from fighting because I'm not oblivious to it. I you know, this is my hobby, this is my passion, this is what I look into. So obviously I know shit can happen with it. That's not what I'm saying. But the fact is, the players themselves, and I know a couple are on Carcillo's side, which is great because absolutely awareness for CTE and traumatic brain injuries should be addressed. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, you know, when people look at that like that's the only opinion that matters, oh, look at this, Carcillo, look what they're saying, look what they're they're, they're promoting fighting, they're, they're glorifying violence. No, fuck you, dude. Seriously, if they go back and listen to my podcast, Darren's podcast, or Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, even the bucket shop, he's had enforcers on you'll know exactly what we're trying to get at. And I, I promise you, we're not just saying this just because we love to glorify the fights. Yes. You know, a good hockey fight is fucking awesome. But at the same time, the whole purpose is to appreciate the boys who did the role and everything like that, but it just goes completely over their head and they would just want to feel progressive. So shit like that just fucking irritates me. And whew, I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Sorry to get worked up over here on this intro, but it had to be addressed. Cause it was literally fucking, it was pissing me off, but, um, Anyways, like I said, go participate in the uh, the Bob Proben Invitational. It's a 64-man tournament. I think round one is almost over. The first half, I know some of the brackets didn't get saved, so Darren had to go back and redo it. Um, but nonetheless, go check that out. If you're not on Twitter, go make a Twitter account just for that competition and delete it so you don't see any of that other bullshit. Go make a Twitter account and participate in that competition. Um but also with that, you know, talking about Joe's uh, store for the Coliseum Chronicles, uh, I got something in the works right now for possible merchandise. Um, you know, I haven't looked too, too deep into it. I got the prototype for the shirt on the way. So I uh, might get a little bit of merch coming your guys' way. And uh, it, if, if all goes well and I could figure out, you know, kind of how much it's going to cost and everything like that, I might even try to get some players involved with it and, you know, talk about putting some of their stuff or like their pictures or some of their fight photos on the shirts. Um, and of course they'll get, uh, what's it called? Royalties, residuals. Uh, they'll get their, they'll get their cut. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, so, no, I, you know, I got something in the works now. It's nothing crazy, but, um, I got, I got another story with over, over, over there with, um, Chris Banity, of course, everybody's favorite, uh, favorite guy in that me, Darren, and, uh, Chris episode. I forget what, I think it was just the round table is what we called it. But, um, yeah, so I got, got something in the works with that and hopefully all works out. I just got to do some number crunching, I think, once, uh, once push comes to shove, but, um, Anyways, I'll plug in the uh, the social media real quick and I'll get you on your way. It fucking already went on my little tangent and uh, had to bitch and moan about shit for a second. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, so you go check out the Instagram account. It's just spelled out normally five for fighting pod. I post fight videos, I post clips of the podcast, uh, when episodes are up. Same thing on every platform. I always post when whenever you know the podcast comes out or anything, but you know, if you're on one social media or more, than others excuse me one social media more than others then why not go give it a follow so of course on twitter it is just at the number five and then for fighting pod uh that's where i'm probably most active as far as you know getting stuff out uh and tweeting a bit and then on facebook you can give the F- facebook page a like which is just five for fighting podcast give it a, a uh type up in the search bar, give it a like and a follow, and you'll be up to date on everything there on Facebook. And while you're at it, go join the enforcer appreciation group. And that is a group dedicated to the tough guys. And obviously it, it is what it, uh, exactly how it sounds or excuse me, Jesus Christ. Apparently I can't even talk this intro. Um, But, no, it's Enforcer Appreciation, so I wonder what it could be about, right? Uh, But, no, we have a lot of former players in there, constant discussion on tough guys, enforcers, uh, you know, this fight, that fight, or top five of this person's list, top five of that guy's list. So i got a lot of former players in there and lots of fight fans. We're up to almost 11,000 members now. So um, I've changed the name before because it used to be Best Enforcers in Hockey Fights, I think, but I wanted to kind of weed out some of the idiots, so we changed it to Enforcer Appreciation. And I think it's really done a good job. The page hasn't grown quite as fast as it was before, but that's because I think people more so know what this group is for, and it's not just for fucking Billy Joe on the couch to go call uh, Ty Domi a fucking plug. But um, and last but not least, do me a favor, rate and review the show. It really helps the podcast grow. Uh, I think we're up to 30, 30 reviews now on the Apple podcast. Oh, I think the fiance's home, so that might be where the dog is barking. Uh, but we're up to, you know, 30 reviews over on the uh, iTunes and Give it a give it a like or review whatever one star five stars so uh, like I said just go give a review review it really helps the podcast grow but other than that uh, thank you guys for tuning in hope you enjoy and here is Doug Man everybody. All right, today's guest on the 5 for Fighting podcast, we have a guy who managed to rack up 1,842 career penalty minutes. He played a couple games in the OHL, he had a season in the ECHL, and he even played quite a few seasons for the Columbus Cotton Mouse out in the CHL. And that is one Mr. Doug Mann. Doug, how you doing today, brother? Not bad, how are you? Oh, fantastic! And you know, we were talking before we got going here, and we got stories for days so far. And just the uh, just the stories before that we record here, uh, it's going to be a fucking riot. So uh, everybody, strap in your seatbelts here. This is going to be a good one, I think. (laughs) Yep. Um, Well, before we get going into your career a little bit, uh, you know, what do you do now, Alex? So what's uh, what's Doug Man up to today?
1: So uh, right now, I'm doing uh, home remodeling and I flip houses in Columbus, Georgia. Met my wife while I played
0: here and never left. Well, there you go. Fucking A. A lot of people, it's always, it seems like that. A lot of people that live down, or like, I guess, uh, played hockey down south, they never want to go. Um, so, I get probably get away from all the cold up there in Canada, and I'm, it's vice versa for me, because uh, <laughs> I want to get away from all this damn heat down here in Florida. I'm so over it. It was just, like, 92 degrees with, like, 80% humidity today. Just fucking miserable. But I'm sure it's a good change for you since you were up in Ontario, eh?
1: Well, I mean... Man, I came down to the States back in the early 90s. I uh, went to Lakeland, and uh, and I haven't left. I mean, I've, I basically stayed down here, and the way my body's uh, handling uh, post-retirement, I mean, I can't move. I don't know what it would be like being minus 21 degree weather or whatever. I mean, I'm pretty happy where I'm at in Georgia, even though it's hot.
0: Yeah, well, at least in Georgia, you kind of get a little bit of winter for the most part. In Florida, you get like... Especially in, like, the Tampa area, you get, like, a week and a half of winter, and then it's back to, like, fucking hellfire. <laughs> so, out there in Georgia, I think yeah. it's a little bit a little bit nicer. But, um, no, it's beautiful up there. Um, well, you know, you were born in Rexdale, Ontario. And, well, I guess before we get going, like, you know, we said it before, you got to give a shout-out to the Rexdale boys. So, explain to everybody what that kind of is and the, the riff-raff you were hanging out, I guess. Well,
1: like, so, the best way to explain it is uh my wife, you know, I met her after my 97 and 98 season here in Columbus, and she uh, took her home to Canada first time, you know, kind of woo her. <laughs> so she comes <laughs> in, uh, 100 miles out, one of our buddies' uh, dad passed away. And uh, so this is the first time she's coming to Canada. And I'm going, oh, shit. So, anyways, this guy, um, Marty Wallace, our good buddies, one of the Rexhill skids, that's what they called us. And, uh, man, his dad used to drive me. So my I grew up with my mom, my sister, my grandma. And my mom never had a driver's license. So my mom, like, busted her ass in a factory and did everything. She Like, my sister couldn't even go to dance because she had to pay for my hockey. So, anyways, 100 miles out, this, this Roger Wallace, who passed away, he, uh, he drove me to almost every game, picked me up, and he was like, you know, just a godsend to my mom because obviously, if not, we'd have to take the bus everywhere. So we're uh, you know, we're 100 miles out and he passed away. I go, shit. So <laughs> my wife being a Southern Baptist, you know, we we get, everything's getting together a couple of days later, you know, we go visit my dad and then we have to go to the, uh, the funeral home on the funeral day. And lo and behold, all the Rexo boys, we're in the funeral home drinking in the parking lot, just having a big party. <laughs> and uh my wife's going, Oh my God, Duck, what is going on here? And then lo and behold the cops come pulling up and he goes, Hey, sorry about your loss. Make sure you put the empties away, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and so my wife go, Oh my god like what is going on? What did I just get into? And then that's when she started realizing like she's never seen any bigger bond than us Rexel boys, like, I mean, I got anyone from uh, uh, hockey players that were good, that, you know, never should. I mean, they just never took the next step to make it. Like, our buddy uh, Chris Reitmeyer, he's a phenomenal hockey player, probably way better than Tom and I, but just didn't know it and just took the wrong, you know, angle. And then we got a buddy, Chris Beatry, that, uh, you know, his first time getting laid, he said, oh, she's from Buffalo. You don't know her. I mean, we all have a friend like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you don't know her. Yeah. Well, he's famous for that. You know, this guy was an all all provincial wrestler and and all that. And um, we used to you know hang out at his apartment, play some euchre. You know, euchre is a Canadian game. But I mean, I gotta I gotta give a shout out to Mikey Smith. He you know, he's the smallest, tough guy we know. Greener. Like, um, These guys. I'm literally they're threatening me right now if I don't uh, plug them away. <laughs> and obviously obviously tom and and man there's about 15 of us there that uh, we just all grew up together and and i mean i'm 46 about to be 47 and we all we're all tight um now i don't get any uh compliments when i go home being 30 pounds overweight now 40 pounds maybe so when i go home my ego is a little shot down because that little prick petrie i'm telling you if you knew him he'd uh He's put you in your place. He calls you out on everything. He knows every stat. He knows every. I mean, he's just that guy. So,
0: (laughs) well, there you go. And of course, you know the guys you didn't mention. I'm sure you're going to get shit for it too. So, (laughs) you got that to look forward to next time you go home.
1: They know I'm not a
0: quick thinker. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, man. Well, you know, get into your career a little bit. So, when did you kind of start playing hockey, man? Well,
1: here's the deal. Like, I was raised by my mom and my sister and my grandma. So my mom puts me in freaking uh, Cub Scouts when I was like, I don't know, eight or nine. And uh, I'm going, okay, that's fine. So it finally, you know, all my buddies are playing hockey, like, uh, um, and I'm like, well, I guess my mom just doesn't want me to go in hockey. So I'm, I'm going door to door selling apples or something for Cub Scouts. And then all of a sudden, my buddy Doug Burgoyne, RIT, passed away. Um, but he uh, he said, Doug, why don't you come play hockey? And I said well, I want to, but I don't know if my mom could afford it. And so, anyways, that he he's the one who got me started. Um, a little background on Doug, just to give him a little thing. He ended up uh, being on that Dragons Den and got full full uh, investment um, to Dragons Den. Um, he owns a company called uh, Frogbox, and uh, his Dragons Den is the Canadian version of Shark Tank.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So
1: he ended up being a very successful guy. Well, he had a he when he was I, I can't remember it was two weeks before he turned forty or two weeks after he he got uh, a rare case of uh, um, and I, I'm going to sound stupid if I try to mention it and I don't want to disrespect him but cancer and uh, man he passed away quick and man that's my long long childhood buddy but he's the one who started the journey in hockey and basically called me a sissy for not playing it <laughs> and uh and uh, so anyways that's where it started and my mom just you know she she did whatever she could she my sister had to stop dance and all that tap i think it was tap dancing or something and all of a sudden i started playing hockey you know my first year i scored eight goals second year 73 it was house league now
0: so. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's, it's a league, right? You fucking potted them. That's all that matters, right?
1: <laughs> right. And, you know, my mom, so in, in Toronto, you know, like, so Rexdale's a part of Toronto, right? It's north Toronto. And there's rinks every 10 feet. So um, we played at a place called Albion Arena or Pine Point. So Pine Point, we had to take a bus, me and my mom, and or Albion Arena. You know, it's just a uh, walking distance. But, you know, back then our games are at 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning. So my mom made a lot of sacrifice doing that. So that's where I got started
0: playing hockey. Um, and then it just evolved from there. Well, there you go. And you actually ended up in the old CJHL with uh, Brockville. What was that first season like for you, man?
1: Well, if we back up just a little bit with the Brockville thing. So I come out of, uh, I'm playing for the Mississauga Blackhawks. And again, my whole career is on insecurity. I didn't know I was a good hockey player. I didn't know I was tough. I didn't know, even even on my personal life, I didn't know I was tough off the street. You know, like, um, so what happened is I come out of Westwood Arena after a game playing for Mississauga Blackhawks, and he's this old guy and another guy comes up to me and says, hey, you know, we're, uh, we're with the Sioux Greyhounds. Uh, we're thinking about taking you um, pretty good, pretty high. And I said, well... You know who you're talking. I mean, I'm Doug Mann. Are you sure you got the right guy? And I said, well, they said, yeah, got you. So, anyways, uh, they came to my house, and you know, they came up, and I mean, my there was walls caving into my apartment, a high-rise apartment. I mean, we, my mom did the best she can, but, I mean, it was it was pretty uh, rough where we lived, and so, <laughs> anyways, they they took me in the fourth round. So, the, the unfortunate thing with me. And this is a big scar in my hockey career. This is where it stemmed a lot of anger. And the reason I I really believe this is where I got tough, where tough to my ability anyways. So I don't want to disrespect the other tough guys on your podcast. But I got drafted 53rd overall. It was a 52nd pick was to Sault Ste. Marie. They used Sean Ember. Um, And then I was 53rd. So I was part of that long drawn out after the money after the players everything on the Lindros deal fifty uh, third pick went to Oshawa well they used it you know they traded that to Sault Ste. Marie during that Lindros like I said I'm I was way down on the end of the trade you know fourth round draft pick. so anyways, I went to Sault Ste. Marie. well I didn't fit in I mean i i've I've been on a hundred teams uh, I fit in everywhere I was probably one of the most liked guys in there most abused guy in the dressing room and I had fun, but for some reason, the Sault Ste. Marie, that was not my fit. Um, they just traded with the Oshawa generals who just won the Memorial cup. So I literally played four games and maybe had 20 seconds of ice time. And that that. That didn't set well for me for a long time. Like I was really insecure about that. Go home. The Rexdale buddies are real sympathetic. Oh, you got cut Ted Nolan, cut you Ted Nolan was the coach there. So that, that kind of stemmed my, my anger, and, and when I wanted to be a fighter, like I said, never again am I going to be in that position where I, if I'm not good enough to make a team, I'm just going to beat up someone.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. That'll that'll get you noticed, too. <laughs> you might even yeah. make the team doing that. I'm sure you did, actually.
1: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like I said, I lasted, uh, the, you know, I stuck around that season, but I did not play. We went to the Memorial Cup, did not play. I wasn't around the team. I didn't fit in the team, but I was just sitting around like a lost puppy. And I'm like, man, wh- why can I not play on this team? I, I felt if I got drafted anywhere else, I would have been able to play. And I just didn't fit in, man. It was just a bad mix, and, and I held a, held a lot of anger there for years. And it was, um, But it helped me later on in my pro career because some of the players I played against, I, I took it out on.
0: <laughs> absolutely and um so you actually ended up on the Brampton Capitals after that uh you know how was your experience in Brampton
1: well Brampton uh, so after that they sent me to Brockville to St. Marie and I went there and it was just a bad experience uh they put me with the trainer and something wasn't right there you know and I'm not gonna you know get all I mean I don't know what I can and cannot say but there was something there was another player with me in the trainer and something wasn't right there, um, and I did not see anything because I would have fronted anything up, but it just wasn't right. And so I just said, "Screw that!" I told the coach, "Fuck that! I'm going to I'm going to Brampton, um, back home." You know, Brampton's outside of Toronto, which is a couple minutes away from Rexdale. So I went to Rex. I mean, because I got called up to Brampton earlier, so you know I knew the coach and all that. And so I went back. I mean, I played with some good players. I mean. I'm, I'm sure eventually they'll have a guy, Roger Maxwell, on the team, Mike Henderson. I mean, we had a tough team.
0: Yeah, you're in my, and, you're in my notes here. Those are the two guys I was going to ask you about. And, of course, Roger Maxwell, a tough motherfucker, did it for years. And then Mike yeah. Henderson, um, I'm sure you've seen it, but he is really good on that Les Chiefs documentary, the uh, the old one on the Laval Chiefs, if you've ever seen that. But he was really good in that, too.
1: Well, Mike, Mike was one of our better players. And Roger Maxwell was young, so he, he – he wasn't anything. I mean, is there because I played there a few years? Uh, Sean Bigger, he was our toughest guy. Do you see Sean Bigger on there?
0: Yes, yes, I do. Um,
1: yeah, he was a killer. And matter of fact, we were in the playoffs against Caledon, which Tom Wilson played against, and we we have a line brawl against him. And Tom, I mean, he he fought anyone, but he got uh, tangled up with Bigger, and I'm like, oh boy, and. Uh, but I mean, no one else is taking up for you know on Tom's team. They are all running, and uh, you know Tom did okay. Um, Sean Bigger got the little best of him. but uh, you know it took balls for him to fight Sean Bigger because Tom knew about how tough he was and and all that stuff. Um, but we we had a killer team. We ended up winning the championship, beating Cowden. But then after the championship, we go and play other other leagues. I guess like. Uh, so we ended up going against the Barry Colts that were undefeated and we got swept in that but anyways we won our league but then you know we didn't go further than that
0: right and so well the next year man you ended up with Milton and you know what was it like playing for them
1: well here's another story i mean Brampton i was pretty secure there i mean i i fought i scored i thing but you know they got me a place there in Brampton and couple of my Rexall boys came up and they brought a bottle of whiskey, and so we're sitting there drinking till about two in the morning. We decide to head to Mexico, so I uh, we got in the truck and started driving to Mexico in my buddy's 1979 old beater uh, Chevy pickup. Jesus so Christ! <laughs> we make it, yeah, we make the Erie, Pennsylvania. The truck breaks down, and um, so anyways, we stay in a hotel. And we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And we get on a Greyhound bus and head to Fort Lauderdale. So <laughs> anyways, lo and behold, uh, Branson's trying to find out where I am. And I just went off the rocker with my buddies. I just needed my, my Rexdale boys <laughs> time. And <laughs> next thing you know, we end up at Fort Lauderdale and we were on a Greyhound bus for like three days. And my buddy Greener, is like, he he did the right thing. He didn't wash or shower, so he wanted his own double seat. So he smelled so bad that he just didn't shower or wash in the, in the bus stations. So he got his own seat because no one wanted to sit beside him. Jesus Christ. But <laughs> <laughs> so we end up in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and it was just crazy. We hooked up with this guy, and he said he was all involved in the mob. And uh, <laughs> we're going – so he ends up driving us back from – from Fort Lauderdale, somewhere in New Jersey. We have to grab a Greyhound and, and go and try to find my buddy's truck that was getting fixed in Erie, Pennsylvania. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just a wild ride there. But in the meantime, I call my mom, and she says, yeah, Doug, I don't think you're on the Brampton Capitals anymore. I go, oh, that sucks. <laughs> so, because, I mean, I loved, I, I loved it there, man. I love I the guys on the team and all that, but, again, I just... Uh, I just had my moments where I just did, didn't did do the right thing.
0: Yeah, it happens to the best so, of us, you um, know. And, uh, well, I mean, you, you know, you were down there in Fort Lauderdale, but you actually end up back there the next year in the Sunshine League out in Lakeland down in Florida. Um, you know, how did you kind of end up down there in the, uh, the old Sunshine League? So after my year, my last year in Milton, well, when I get traded to Milton, um, I just uh, I
1: didn't want to play hockey. And so had a fun, fun summer with all my buddies and all that. And then, uh, you know, Tom, uh, Tom started getting offers because of, uh, his someone involved in the Calvin Canadians. I think he mentioned it on uh, his podcast, but anyway, so Tom's going, well, why don't you come down to Florida? I said, nah, I, I don't think I'm good enough. I mean, I just, you know, I don't think I can play pro hockey. I'm not good enough. And so anyways, he, he went down and so I went to new Orleans with my buddy that do thoroughbred horses and and so i started walking horses seven days a week in in uh new orleans with my buddy that um he was my left winger during my draft year with Mississauga blackhawks jeff stevens and so anyways a couple months down i'm in new orleans seven days a week walking these fucking horses and i'm like comes christmas time i'm going what am i doing i mean new orleans does not shut down I mean, so now I'm just drinking, 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 you know, partying. 20, I mean, literally, these bars do not shut down. There's no 2 o'clock shut off. I mean, New Orleans is a different world. And so finally, th- there's no cell phones back then. Tom calls me somehow. I can't re- even remember. He goes, get your fucking ass back to Toronto and come to, come to uh, um, Lakeland. He goes, I told my owners about you. I warned them about you. What do you mean you warned them about me? He said, I can get a tough guy down here, but um, you're going to have to control him on and off the ice. I said, well, that's a great start, Tom. And so, anyways, (laughs) I flew down to Orlando. My mom paid for the flight, $800. Like, this is a woman that busted her ass and didn't have any money. But she she flew me down, and I did not get reimbursed for that. Um, Probably won't surprise you when I told you I was making $150 a week.
0: Yeah, sounds about right and par for the course for Lakeland. From what Wilson said on the uh, on the previous podcast I had with him, that uh, Lakeland was yeah. not the best uh, ownership. I guess you could say.
1: No, it it was awful. And uh, so, anyways, the first night I get there, they picked me up from Orlando. They just came back from West Palm Beach, and so I'm in a car, and my future mentor. I'm not going to mention his name. I'll mention him later, so he could put two and two together. But they picked me up and they hated the coach so much that they go to the me, Tom and my mentor go to uh, their apartment. And next thing you know, comes back and we, he starts pulling away in the car and he starts going, <laughs> he just slashed my coach's car, my tires. I'm going, my God, I haven't even met him. I haven't even stepped on the ice. I'm going what the fuck, man. I'm, I'm so proud that I'm going to be making a dollar playing hockey. And, uh, and it's crazy that uh, um, that it might it might end before it starts. And so <laughs> we go away the next day they I guess the coach puts two and two together and trades trades the the ment- my mentor. so um, <laughs> anyways he, he goes there my first pro game, I never even sat on my team's bench. I go there, I go out in the ice. I said, well what do I do, Tom? Like I mean, do I just go fight someone? I go, is it that easy? And so I just go grab the biggest guy, and I beat him up pretty good. So I go to the penalty box, and, you know, you got to wait for a whistle. And when the whistle comes out, and he, you know, he goes to uh, – coach tells me to stay on the ice. So stay on the ice, go grab the next guy. Beat him up. I said, after I beat him up, Tom comes to me in the penalty box. I'm going, Tom, is that all you got to do is just beat up people in this league? And so, anyway, it's, uh, the third time I come out – Coach, uh, you know, I stayed out there, so I just went and beat up someone else. Oh, shit, Tom, this is easy, dude. And, <laughs> and so, anyway, Tom's apologizing to the owners after the game, and they're going, no, 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 we love this guy. I I said, well, what else do I have to do? Do I have to skate at all? I mean, do I have to do anything else? I mean, I'm out of shape because I've been off the ice for a while. And so Tom says, I guess they love you, Doug, so just keep doing what you're doing. I said, all right, well, this is fun. So, I mean, that year was pretty easy as far as fighting. I, I guess I just missed Link Gates. I guess he played in there a little thing, with, thank God because I, I, don't think I would have thought it was that easy. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna um, say with
0: the way Tom's describing you that you got to watch you on the on the ice and off the ice. It almost sounds like you're like the Link Gates of the old Sunshine League. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the here's
1: the deal with me. I, I'm all alcohol. I was never, I never got got into drugs, and I understand like some guys like that struggle with, you know, fighting. Like, I mean, God, Bob Grover one of my favorite players of all time. And, um, you know, I can see that part of it, man. It's just, a, I, for one reason, I was strong in that aspect. I never did drugs. And, um, but I can see where the people venture off and, and do that. It's a tough role. I mean, I mean, you're, every night you're in, you know, you're thinking about the guy you're going to fight the next day. Um, the next day, you're you're in the hotel room thinking about this guy. I mean, people on your team are saying, "Hey, they just signed this guy, Oglethorpe." I'll give that an example. And you know, there there's you know, so you're, so you're thinking about it all the time, and you're going to them. So now this is where my insecurity, and my hockey career is. It's like, well, what are you telling me, dude? Are you telling me that I, I got to fight him? I mean, well, why are you telling me? Why don't you go tell the six foot four dude on our team that's tough that has to go fight him? Why are you telling me? And I'd get pissed. And so, <laughs> I mean, it's just, so I can understand where guys ventured off and, and got a little head problems, you know, and, you know, because it's a tough business. I mean, you, it's just sickening. I remember sitting in my hotel room just sick to my stomach, knowing I have to fight a guy that's going to take off my head at five, you know, I'm only 5'11". <laughs> and I, if I sit here and tell you, if anyone sits here and tells you that they won all their fights, they're lying. So... Oh, yeah, for um, sure.
0: Fuck. Jeremy Yablonski said it really good on my podcast. That's one of the earlier episodes. But he said, you know, if you've, uh, if you've never lost a fight, then you're not fighting the right people.
1: Right. And so that was one of my things, man. I was so insecure that when people did say, hey, they signed so-and-so on there, well, that's the first person I go after. I mean, I didn't care. Like, you know, back when I played in Raleigh, I mean, in my division, there was Trevor Sen, Aaron Downey, Eric Bolton um sean brown um uh man there's several i just can't I, I i mean every night i i played like we we're before we uh, acquired uh, my future buddy ryan brown i mean i was the only guy on raleigh fighting so uh, Kirk Landor had to tell me he today hey, you don't have to fight all the heavyweights bro <laughs> i'm saying you can take a night off like I mean, the first two weeks of my uh, Raleigh Ice Caps uh, adventure was we were on the road. Our training camp was in Wheeling, so I fought all the northern, I think, not Aaron Downey, there's another Downey, Dayton, uh, there's a bunch of fighters like up north, and I I mean, I fought them all in exhibition, and then we are on the road for two weeks in Raleigh because they had some carnival going on in the fairgrounds where Dorton Arena, and so anyway, so I'm going out west. I'm fighting Joe Middlestad, fighting uh, Lakovic, um, and several other guys. Like, I mean, I just, I fought them all. And my coach just said, dude, you need to calm down. You, I mean, you're 5'11". You don't. I'm not asking you to fight all the heavyweights. But that was me. It's like, you challenged me. I'm fighting you. Right. And
0: what was it like fighting Noah Lockovic, man? Because, you know, the, the pit bull, and he's got this crazy reputation. And, uh, you know, I've talked to a couple people about him, and I've heard stories that he'd sit there and wait outside the penalty box and fucking literally, like, on all fours, bark at dudes, you know? Like, just an absolute nut job. So what was it like fighting him, man? Okay, so I
1: just thought of mine, I should have mentioned this. This was his brother, Greg, who is really tough. Oh,
0: okay, okay. <laughs>
1: Um, this is his brother. Now his brother was real honest player, but my guy, like, I mean, I fought him probably. I don't know. I fought him a few times. Every time he, I fought him, he gave me stitches. Um, and I'm not a bleeder. Like he, I literally, you can hit me with a brick and I'm not bleeding, but that guy gave me stitches every time I fought him. And, um, anyways, it, it, he was honest. So he wasn't like his brother. So I had to just clarify that. um, but anyways, no, it was uh, that that first year in the East Coast League. I mean, it was it was eye opening. I mean, in my division, man, Aaron Downey, Eric Bolton. I mean, my claim to fame with Eric Bolton, I fought him toe to toe a few times, and <laughs> he's given me stitches a couple of times. But you never could see them; they're in my lip or in my ear. And uh, I, I remember I was going after him a second time during that game, one game, and. He said, "No, I want I want to go after someone else." And I'm going, oh, "Shit, maybe he respects me a little." But I'm not sure if that was it or if I wasn't enough man to to get him to the next level. I don't know, but you know, I don't think I was an easy easy fight. I mean, I'm a lefty, and I threw pretty fast. Like Trevor Senn was surprised. Um, I fought him. That was towards the end because um, I fought. Uh, they had a couple other guys, Patterson. Um there's this other guy, uh, and I can't remember his name. But um anyways they had a few guys on their team. They had they had Gowdy. Gowdy had jumped me that uh, during that time I was telling you about in uh, Sault Ste Marie. The reason I, I, I think I became somewhat tough because Gowdy jumped me in Sault Ste Marie and I turtled. I've never turtled in my life. And I just had a uh I don't I don't know, man. It was in training camp and after that I was angry for twenty some years. <laughs> I swear to God, anyone else that challenged me or even looked at me, I was fighting win or lose. It doesn't matter. Oh, no, it's so all that matters that, that you show up, man. Yeah, and uh, that's I'm telling you, this it keeps going back to Sault Ste Marie where my anger stemmed from because I just didn't fit in. I fit in on every other team except that team. And, you know, they're a good team and they're good guys for the most part, you know. We had I think eleven NHLers on that team, Bob Bogner Den- Denny Lambert, uh, Ted Nolan was a coach, uh, Ralph Internovo, uh, Adam Foote. I mean, it was crazy how many guys. Three NHL goalies until we traded one. It was Kevin Hodgson, Mike Fallon, and uh, Mike Leonarduzzi.
0: Yeah, you guys were but, fucking stacked out there.
1: Well, like I said, I, I didn't fit in on the team, nor did I play. and so I. But I think it did me good uh, because I don't think I would have reached my my max caliber, um, because I, again, I didn't think I was a good hockey player. Like when uh, Kirk Klandoris asked me to come to Raleigh, we were over in Germany on a, on a little thing that he has every summer, and he, they play all the pro games over there. Well, I got him kicked out of two towns because I, fucking, started brawls on the ice, and so Timmendorf, Germany, and uh, Isserlann or something. And so on the plane back, I'm going, man, this guy must hate me. <laughs> And he just, I was, uh, I think I was signed or going to sign with Flint and I was out the colonial league at the time or the United, I can't remember. But anyways, he just said, Hey, sits beside me on the plane. And he goes, I love your style. I want you to come to Raleigh. And I said, Are you sure. Said, you know, there's a Doug here. Are you sure? You, I mean, he said, yeah, I go, I love you. I go, I, I tell you what, you're not going to play every game, but you're not going to, I said, I will not cut you the whole year. He made that promise to me. And so I went and I stayed and had the best year of my life, even though I think we won like a, like a bunch of games at the beginning. And then we had a guy break his blow at his knee, break his back. I mean, and then like all our drafts, you know, guys coming down from Ottawa, I think Ottawa was our farm team. And I mean, we just kind of went downhill. No, New Jersey was, but we kind of just went downhill after that. But I mean, it was a great year.
0: Absolutely, man. And well, you know, you brought him up earlier and he's probably known for one of like the most infamous one punch knockouts you'll ever see, but you fought him and it was Aaron Downey. How was it for, um, fighting Downey?
1: Down, Downey was okay. Uh, here's what happened. So, so years prior, Downey from uh, my dad's neck of the woods. Right. And so he, uh, like he's from Shelburne. My dad's from Maxwell and, um, Anyways, the, uh, the first shift they ever played, I didn't know who he was. But apparently, a couple of years prior, we were at a farm party, and we got a big, the same guy that I was talking about earlier, the Rexdale boy, Chris Petrie, got, got in a little tip with uh, this guy at this farm party, and I said, no, I'll take this one. So this big old guy, I think his name was Jamie Doyle, you know, I take him out in the field, and I just give him a new ass kick, and, and Cut him open for a bunch and then I remember Aaron Downey well, I didn't know his name at the first but he said, uh, oh yeah you play hockey? I said, yeah, I played for Sault Ste. Marie. Meanwhile, I only played fricking four games, maybe 20 <laughs> seconds in four games you know, like, I mean, I'm just the insecure coming out of me, right? He says, well, I play for, where do you play for Guelph or something? And uh, so anyways, years later, he's playing for Hampton Roads, Brophy and he goes, Dougie fucking man how the fuck are you? I said, all right. Well, what is it? Are we going? <laughs> he goes, no, you remember what you did to my buddy Doyle out on out that farm there back in the thing? I go, oh, yeah, shit. He goes, have a good game. I said, don't do anything stupid because Broke's going to send me. So, because, like, no one on Broke's team could even breathe. Like, if I would have ran around one bit, which I did, they were going to send him. So, he didn't fight me right then, but then a couple of, like, weeks later or whatever because he kept I didn't play against him a whole lot because he he kept getting called up you know he's on his road up to the NHL right so but he now now Bolton's another another story I, I had Bolton did more damage than Downey um, just I don't know man he's just a precise puncher and you know just uh, but like I said I don't know if just don't Downey knew me and kind of took it easy on me I don't know but back then, I would have fought
0: my own mother, you know, if I had to. <laughs> Did you ever have any interactions with Brophy? Because uh, I've had a couple couple guys on the show that were coached by him. And, uh, you know, of course, with his big reputation and the minors and just is you know, the overall stigma around him, um, you'd always yell at guys, even on the ice and the opposing teams. Did you ever have any interactions with, uh, with old Brophy?
1: Well, I didn't have an interaction, but, I mean, my God, man, the guy like, – so in Raleigh for a while, until we got this Ryan Brown, I was, uh, and I'll tell you about Ryan in a minute, but I mean, during warm up Brophy's standing, like, you know, the rest of the coaches are up on the stands and they're watching, you know, formalities and power play and whatever, who's who's on the lines and all that. Well, Brophy's standing on the fucking bench and just staring at us. And I go, you know, I, I am officially the most afraid of Brophy. I'm not afraid of any of his players. I'm afraid of Brophy. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, my God, man. This guy's a quack job. Like, seriously, he's just staring at us. Like, I, you know, I stretch right at center ice, right by the bench there. And he's just sitting there staring at me because I think he knew that I was the only one who would fight, whatever. Next thing you know, I have 10 guys coming up. I mean, the minute I ran around, like, like I said, Downey wasn't there a lot. He was not there because he was, was it Hershey was up? I don't know. He kept getting called up, whoever Hampton Roads was. So, but they had plenty of other tough guys because you can't play with Brophy or play for Brophy unless you're tough. Oh, yeah. No, he
0: would stack it. He would want the stacked (laughs) rosters, too. It was just insane. He didn't give a fuck. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I
1: I was like, holy shit, man. Like, do I am I skating wrong on warm up? Is this guy just going to send everyone out after me because I, I do a one handed, uh, shot to the shell like a warm up or something is he gonna think i'm showboating and want to kill me and send all his players out? i'm like holy fuck like he i was intimidated to him i'm not gonna lie to you i wasn't scared of any player because i knew a beating would you know whatever you get beat up you get up who cares but Brophy, he just had that fucking look on his face and for him to stand down on the bench and just stare at you i'm like i was shit in my pants especially being a rookie I mean, I played in the Sunshine Hog League and the Southern Professional, whatever it turned into after that. But with, with Brophy, I'm like, oh, this is the real deal here. This guy wants me hurt right now.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, sounds like Brophy. <laughs> um, it, r- well, real quick, I gotta gotta get a side note in here. And you sent me the article, and I had no clue this was actually a, or actually a thing. Uh, but it was in 2000. You know, everybody, uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners, if not all of them, have probably seen the movie Goon, and they see, you know, Doug Glatt score the the goal that goes off of his ass. You actually, you know, kind of were almost like a little bit of inspiration for that. You scored an overtime goal off your ass to send your team to the finals or to the conference finals. You know, what was that like, man?
1: Well, the, the truth be it, it was not off my ass. It was against Huntsville. And I'm, it was against Mike, Mike DeGurse uh, um, in Huntsville there. And I'm going to get to Mike DeGurse because I, I definitely have to plug him. I, I thank him for all the good battles we had. But um, it, it, was, it was not off my ass. I blocked out my defenseman. The shot came from the point. It went off the pads and it put it in. But the only question is why the fuck was I out in overtime, um, sudden death, on a power play. <laughs> My coach, I mean, it's literally, I think I got three, six goals or whatever all year. Um, had a bunch of fighting majors. But why the hell would Bruce Garber put me out on a power play in sudden death overtime? But he did. I, I mean, him and I butted heads because I played with him in uh, Florida before I came to Columbus. And, so him and, I, and he would sit me, scratchy, scratch, you know, healthy scratch. And I'm like, why the fuck are you sitting me right now? When we're playing Memphis or a t- Huntsville, a tough team, you know, it's like, but he would. But for that moment, he put me out on the power play, sudden death overtime against Huntsville. Whoever scored moves on to the next round. And I scored the goal, <laughs> but it wasn't off my ass, man. <laughs>
0: hey, it, was, man. it went in. They don't ask how, they don't ask how, they ask how many, right? <laughs>
1: well, everyone said, do you need to call someone and correct that? I said, shit, no. They did, did a scene about me on a movie. I go, and I have no clue how that happened. My sister actually, my older sister, called me and said, Doug, do you know that someone's found a trivia and spoof on you or for that movie Goon? I'm like, What are you talking about? And next thing you know, <laughs> so so if yeah, if you go to the, the the movie hockey movie Goon and go to trivia and spoofs and, and then go down and click the spoofs, you're gonna see that little section and I'm like, Wow, all right. Well, all right. It went off my ass. That's fine. <laughs> you okay. go your claim to fame. <laughs> the air's been cleared
0: yeah. here on the uh, on the show now. So didn't go off your ass, but it still went in, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh man. So. Well, you know, speaking of Columbus, man. You after you know you had your stint in Raleigh with the Ice Caps in the ECHL, you ended up in Columbus. And now again, you're back. You're back with old Willie Tom Wilson, and you guys actually had a pretty tough team as well. You know, you had your uh, Jerome Bichard on there, and you know, how was it playing there? Because you guys really stacked up the pims. Well, like I said,
1: I come from Raleigh, where I was, you know, the guy that fought all the time, and so the fans like me. And then, I'll, you know, I'm coming to Columbus, Georgia, where all I hear about is Jerome Bichard, and I'm going, well, oh, fuck can I steal this show? You know, hello? Yep.
0: Hello? Are you there?
1: Yeah, yeah. Someone's (laughs) trying to to direct the call. Um, I said, how am I going to direct or, uh, you know, take this fame off this Jerome Bouchard who's already played there one year before me because I was supposed to come to Columbus, um, but I, you know, obviously you had a better opportunity in Raleigh. And so, I come and the first exhibition game, they put me on the line with this famous Jerome Bouchard and, um, <laughs> uh, 30 seconds into it, I, the goalie comes out to play the puck and I knock him on his ass and I drop the gloves, challenge the bench. And I just wanted to introduce, you know, me to Columbus. And I'm like, <laughs> a couple of guys were on my team in Raleigh that were on making that year. And so I didn't have any comers. So my coach said, all right, cause I've already played with him in Florida. He says, all right go get the exercise because i get kicked out of the game go get the exercise bike and he made me put up in the stands and you know ride the exercise bike for the whole game in front of the fans and i'm going all right well it's, it's giving me a little notoriety i mean you know i had to introduce myself you know some way so i uh that's what i did and um, of course, Jerome later on had his antics, and it turns out Jerome's one of the best teammates I've ever had. Like he was the most hated man in hockey. Like literally, like I know Mike DeGuer is gonna to listen to this, man. They they hated him, but I I think deep down they would have uh, loved to have him on this, you know, as a teammate. But uh, you know they had a guy like like uh, Jonathan Dubois was kind of similar, a little little greasy, little agitator, and you know, so but man, Jerome was one of the best teammates ever. So we came in here, but, um, other than Jerome, my goodness, we had, we had seven or eight good fighters and, um, <laughs> people didn't want to come into our, our barn and play us. Um, Huntsville probably was the toughest team. Like I said, I'm going to go back to DeGear's, uh, you know, back into the Florida days, Lakeland days. Um, uh, the first time my, uh, so after the, you know, when we started this uh, podcast, you know, I said how easy it was in the fights. Well, the next year went into the, a different league, uh, Southern professional. Yeah, I think it was Southern just the Southern, Southern
0: Hockey League is what I think it was.
1: Right. So we go rolling in and we're playing uh, Winston-Salem. And, you know, I think we already had played them once. And, and I think Mike DeGerris beat up someone, whatever. And I wasn't playing. I don't know if I was a senator or just a Healthy scratch. I was sick of that. Anyways, uh, so I go play. So I kind of go up with Mike DeGuris, and he didn't know what I was. And he's a rookie. And, you know, I guess technically I'm a second year player, but I mean, my God, I played in the league the year before with four teams. And so I give it to Mike pretty good. And uh, I go, all right, well, this is still easy, right? This is the toughest guy. I think I heard this guy was probably one of the tougher guys in the league. So Lo and behold, I think it was the third period. He comes right back after me, and he finally got my game. Then I was a you know, I was a lefty, and we had a good tilt. And I think we fought probably 15 times after that. And I don't think any of us really hurt each other. Might have cut each other, bruised each other. But he was definitely aware after that first time. And, I mean, because he had no clue that I was a lefty. And I just – I was really fast at the time, and – gave it to him pretty good but he uh he definitely got me a couple of times i got him a couple of times and and now we're friends and we had a couple of beers a few months back uh when my kid was playing uh tournament in Huntsville so it was pretty cool
0: That's awesome man and yeah old well, uh, old goose i know you're listening i appreciate you uh getting me in touch with old Dougie here because uh you know a lot of the southern leagues and like the central league and the southern pro league i actually don't know too much about that's probably the league that in the federal league i know probably the least about so it's always cool <laughs> to kind of uh get in touch and, you know, talk to some of the boys in those leagues like yourself and hear how it is. And, you know, DeGuris probably had one of the funniest stories I've ever fucking heard. Um, it was back in the sunshine league. He was supposed to be getting ready for a game. Um, and for those listening, you can go back to the DeGuris episode, and listen to this, but he's, you know, just supposed to be getting ready for the game or something like that. And, he ends up renting a moped on like the fucking beach and goes whizzing past people, and he, lo and behold, he whizzes past the fucking coaching staff, and they look at him like, "Isn't that a fucking player?" And I guess he got the earful for it, but that's just fucking hilarious. And something I feel like could only happen in, down in Florida.
1: <laughs> it's it's crazy some of the stories that we have. I mean, it's uh, now, do you know we touched base? Like I said, I was out with. Uh, Johnny Gibson, he was their captain for, captain for Huntsville and uh, Daigle a few months back before this COVID stuff. Uh, and we're just telling all stories. And it's just amazing, man. They they really did respect Columbus, but we really respected Huntsville. Even though, at the most, I mean, at, at one point they had Craig Cox and Daigle. They'd be in the tunnel having a dart in between periods. And <laughs> I'm like, you can't, you can't make this up, man. This is a minor leagues you can't make this up. How are they beating us right now? Like these guys are smoking a pack between skin periods. And I'm like, well, that's the minor leagues, I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah, it was pretty that, funny.
0: You got Craig Cox, the old school guy, just ripping darts. Like you said, that was probably what he was doing out in fucking Vancouver at the time when he was in the show. <laughs> that's fantastic.
1: Well, he had to be, I mean, he had a, he had a tough job, but I will say when I first saw Craig Cox in a lineup, I was, I was real nervous. And, uh, because I know I'm stupid enough to fight him. and um, But he just wasn't that guy, man. He had his time in the show, and he just was not an intimidating, like, uh, you know, like, you heard a story earlier that Ryan Reed went after him. But Reeder went after him. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It, like, he, he didn't give you any reason to fight. He never hit anyone. He just kind of coasted out there. And he was a pretty good hockey player in these leagues, too, you know, so. Oh, yeah. I respect them, but <laughs> I remember we were because we beat them in the finals to win a championship in Wichita, and I was wound up. I'm, you know, we're about to win a championship. I just fought all their heavyweight or all their fighters for you know four games because we swept them,
0: <laughs>
1: and uh, I'm I'm beacon cocks like I'm just wound up ready. He goes, hey fucking kid, can you shut up? Just shut up. Your your mouth is big. Shut up. And
0: I go, yes, sir. Oh, shit. It's like the stepbrothers. You're next, mister. Yes, sir. (laughs) It's fucking great. Well,
1: the thing is, I I, I wasn't even much of a talker, but I, I was just about to win a championship. I mean, you're talking about my insecurities in hockey. I didn't know I was a good hockey player. And obviously, I mean, I don't think I was a great hockey player in pro either, but even when I was a kid and I'm about to win a championship, I mean, that was my NHL, brother. And... I mean, I, I cherish this ring to this day on that. Like I mean I have knuckles, I have metal plates on my left hand. I mean, that was from the probably that series against Wichita and I mean it was just it was just sick. It was a sick time of my life and I'm thankful for it.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, man. A championship is a championship and you know, the fucking especially in the minors, man, that's a grind to get there. And, you know, the shit you guys put yourselves through to fucking get there. Um it's like something almost unheard of. Like you just don't hear about it in other sports. Um, as far as like you know, the enforcer side and the fighter side go, there's just nothing like that in sports. If you ask me, um, so no, man, that's fucking awesome that you guys ended up getting a championship.
1: No, it, it was a good time, and I mean, our record I think was, and I don't, well shit, I got my championship ring lingering around here somewhere. Our uh, our record was fifty-one, thirteen, and eight. I mean, Holy it, it was a sick I mean, we we blew out teams, and the only one who gave us trouble was Huntsville. We they <laughs> Mike DeGersh, I know you're going to be listening to this, buddy. But you guys, you guys were the real deal, and I did not like playing you guys, because um, <laughs> if it wasn't you, I was getting freaking hacked. And like, not one of one of those players on their, the, you know, Huntsville was was intimidated of us, nor we we weren't intimidated of them, but. I mean, it was just a good rival, but, you know, <laughs> it was just a good time winning a championship. And I think Huntsville won it the year after, so that was pretty cool. Year after, or maybe the year after, I don't know. They they won it shortly after that. So, when we're sitting together having beers later, we can chirp. I got a, a picture of their captain, um, and it just shows me throwing a big left. Well, he broke my nose. John Gibson, if you're listening to this, I'm giving you a little plug. He broke my nose with the first punch, but this picture doesn't show wonders. And I and I keep sending it to him, just a little chirping look to him. So it was pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. Um, real quick, I gotta ask you, man, because I'm a Jersey. I'm like a Jersey guy. I love to uh, collect jerseys. Um, and you know those Columbus jerseys with like the snake numbers and shit. Those are absolutely fucking insane. What do you think of those, man?
1: Well, I don't know. Uh, are you talking about when the, back in '97, '98 and all that?
0: Um, I mean, fuck, I, I'm not sure when they changed to like the snake numbers because I know they had normal numbers and then they moved to like the where the, the literally the font was like the body of a snake.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that, I, th- I believe that was our championship year and then a couple of years after that. No, they were awesome. I mean, I thought we had the. I mean, every time I put on the jersey, I felt proud and I felt like we had the coolest jerseys, to it, you know. Um, Especially our Civic Center was the, probably the best place to play in a minor hockey at the time. I mean, we'd pull in about 7,000 people. Um, <laughs> you better not lose a fight. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was pretty cool.
0: Did so, you ever do any, like, jersey tricks? Like, did you, I don't know, have, like, a front tie down or shorten some sleeves? Did you ever do anything like that to kind of get an edge when you're fighting?
1: I... Uh, so what I, I I mean I just like to get the jump on a guy. I was a kamikaze. Um, again, you know, it was just uh, I get in there. I had a I don't say that I did it that na- I, I think I did it naturally. I didn't do it as planned. Um, I just had a, a way of. I always thought of hockey fighting as apkido, the martial art apkido, and um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take your your clothes and your body, and I'm gonna paralyze you as good as I can, and try to feed you. So it's kind of like a Steven Seagal. Now I'm not no app keto star or anything. Cause my buddy Rex, those kids are going to hear this and try to rip me apart. But I'm just saying, I, I tried to get in there, paralyze your power. And just, and I was really fast with my left and wasn't, it wasn't a knockout punch. Wasn't a thing, but it's going to, uh, it's going to, um, you know, try to give you, uh, you know, try to give you the worst. You know, you're the best situation to win the fight. So, right, you know. My, well, go ahead. My my wife sending like I'm in the room locked up because I have ADD, and my wife's sending <laughs> letters <is> under the <laughs> under the door and questions asked. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's fantastic. So she wants uh, to
1: let you guys know that I do. I did box, so I did have a little ba- fighting background back in the day. There
0: you go. Fuck, you're um, in my notes over here. That's what I was a that little the next question I was going to ask if you did any like off season training or like fight wise if you did boxing or any any UFC or not UFC but like MMA or anything like that.
1: No, so so the here's the here's a true story and it's a pretty amazing one is in 1988. You know when Seoul Olympics was getting prepared, I was already a member at this one club. It was my old middle school. Uh, but then they closed down, and uh, it was a boxing club. They, they turned it into a boxing club, my old middle school. And it was called Boxing Canada or Boxing Ontario. And so during the '88 Seoul Olympics, lo and behold, they, they used that as the training headquarters for um, you know the Canadian national team that's going to the Seoul Olympics. So that doesn't sound very important to you, but uh, who was on that team but Lennox Lewis. So we got to train with him for months because we were members. I mean, we didn't get to get in his shit, you know. Like, I mean, we got to get in the rank and the ring and uh, just warm him up and all that. And I mean, I, did we get to train with him per se? No, because he had his own coach and all that. But he was in our gym every day. It was pretty neat. The thing I didn't like is that after he won the Soul, the gold Olympics and uh, the gold medal in the Seoul Olympics, he uh, kind of, you know. To tra- you know, went against Canada and said he's Britain, Britain, and I didn't like that. But, anyways, it's a pretty neat story that I got to train with Lennox.
0: Yeah, for sure, that's fucking badass, man. That's uh, that's awesome. Um, well, so you know, you're you're in Columbus still. Uh, you played what fucking six seasons there, five seasons. Um, and. How how was the how were the fans there? You said you know it was pretty good and everybody always kinda of wonders how good uh, you know, hockey is in the south and everything like that. And Columbus still to this day I believe they have a hockey team. Um again, sorry, I don't watch too much hockey today, um, so I'm not up to date on the leagues and stuff, but um from what I understand, man, it seemed like the fans were fucking awesome there and they of course they love their, their blue collar tough guys.
1: Yeah, no, I mean like I said, I you know, when I came here, Jerome Bouchard was God <laughs> and I hope no one gets offended by that, but anyways, he, I mean, he was God. I mean, he fought, he, I mean, he, Jerome was good in the community. So when I came, you know, and Tom was here also and fought a lot and Brad Prefontaine. So when I came and a couple other guys, I mean, we had so many fighters. It's just, those guys didn't fight as much as me. You know, they're probably tougher than me, but didn't, I mean, I fought every game. Like I didn't take nights off. I mean, because. If I took nights off, I probably wouldn't play the next game or, or uh, you know. So I had to make sure I had my job. I was so insecure. You know, it's a the theme of my career. I was insecure. My job was never secure. So, if there's a tough guy, like you know, everyone started looking at stats. And I mean, if someone's saying that there's someone out there tough, I'm, I'm fighting them. I mean, fuck them. You know, I'm I'm not afraid of them. They're not going to kill me. I've never been killed yet. So. I'm I'm still standing here doing this podcast. Yeah, there you and go. You so love to fucking tell about it. I made sure, like, especially you know, a couple of games. You know, we're in the dressing room. They're telling you know, hey, they signed so and so. You know, this guy he was tough in the, the U-Haul. Well, fuck, I never played in the U-Haul. Who who did he fight? That makes him tough. I mean, did he fight some goal scorers and beat the shit of them and put on a big show? Or is it is he going to fight? Is it like me who fights all he- you know guys that can fight? And you don't look like you dominate as much because you're only five eleven, and and guys, can, you know, handle themselves that you're fighting, so it's not much of a show. So first thing I do, first couple of shifts, if uh, you know nothing's going on, I see these guys out in the ice, and the guys on our team that can fight, and they're kind of not doing anything. I just tell my coach, "Fuck, put me out. I'm done. I'm done watching this bullshit. Let me let me go, and I'll fight them." And so I do it. I mean. Nine times out of ten, I whooped their ass because they're playing in a – like, they're not fighting anyone. They're fighting goal scorers that they're just lighting them up and their highlight reels are just, you know, throwing punches and guys jumping, you know, bouncing up in the air because they're getting hit so hard, right? But it's different when you're fighting a guy that can throw back. Like Mike DeGurse, he never bounced up in the air when I hit him. He, he fought back. He actually punched back. Lakovic punched back. Downey, Bolton, Brown, Badouk stat, they all punch back, and they punch back hard. So it was, uh, I mean, it's, it's different when you see a highlight reel and some guy's kicking the shit out of someone, and that maybe has uh, 20 minutes and penalty minutes, and then fighting a guy that can actually punch, punch back and knock your cranium
0: off. Oh, for sure, man, absolutely, and the fuck it's all about. I, I kind of uh, always judge. I mean, it, I don't judge because obviously I'm a fucking, you know, just a fan sitting on the couch. But, you know, going through guys' fight cards and you see how some people rank fighters. Everybody always loves to do top ten lists, and you kind of look at some guys like, eh, who the fuck did they really fight? You know, not not saying that in a bad way. Obviously, they have balls to drop, drop the gloves and go fucking toe-to-toe it, um, you know, in front of a bunch of fans and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think... um I don't know, the best way to describe it is kind of like pedig- like a pedigree. You know, like, who, who do they have on their fight card? Um, and, you know, like you said, it's some guys, you, you look at them, and, yeah, they might have a lot of penalty minutes, but they, they might not have fought, you know, the heavyweights like yourself or um, stuff like that. So there's a lot of factors that kind of go into how you judge guys or um, their reputation going in, like you said.
1: Yeah, no, like, so, for instance, Oklahoma City, you know, they had Wade Brookbank um, at one point. Yeah, at one point uh, we they beat us in the finals. They and he, you know, he ended up going in the NHL. But they had a couple of a uh, couple of heavyweights. And but there was this one guy, and I can't pronounce his name. I think it's Arvianis or something. So, anyways, I went after him first because he was a league leader in fighting majors, right? <laughs> I thought he was the top. I didn't know who Wade Brookbank was or, or I think that Marco Sabalo That was pretty tough. It might have been the year before. I don't think Marco was on the team or Brook. I think it was the year before. But they had this guy, Arvianis that had an ungodly amount of fighting majors. And they're in the other division in Oklahoma City, right? So, drops the puck. I go right after him. And I drop the gloves. And I'm, I'm wanting to throw. And he just grabs and suitcases me. And I'm, I just told the refs, I said, hey, come in, come in. I'm not fighting this guy. Fuck that. He's grabbing on, I don't wanna fight him. Fucking spit on him before I fight him. I mean, he was just holding me. I mean, he's holding me and I'm like, I don't respect guys like that. I'd rather you knock me out than than fucking you know, sit there and suitcase me and whatever, because I'm not gonna give you that respect. If I'm fighting you, I'm gonna punch you and if I knock you out then fine. If you knock me out, fine. I've been on the bo- I've been on both ends of that spectrum. And anyone that you've ever done a spec or a podcast on, I promise you, they've been on the same the same end i mean they've been knocked out i remember beating the shit out of peter zerba fucking my that was uh he was playing for huntsville and uh, that southern league fuck. he got the last punch in shows me i got it on vhs tape i know i'm old but anyways i'm going to the penalty box and it just shows my knees wobbly i mean fuck he had to go get zipped up i i thought i won the fight except i thought my name was batman
0: <laughs> yeah fucking a man zerva what a tough dude he was fucking second all time for the western pro league in penalty minutes and he's actually a guest i had on the show too and uh you know fucking zerva was awesome and yeah it's a, <laughs> no kid, that's a tough fight and um you know you, you mentioned before about guys kind of seat belt and stuff like that and it was, i i can't remember where it was i think it might have been in the last gladiators when he talks about it um but it's marty mcsorley and he kind of had that same mentality he's like you know if you're gonna fight me fight me don't don't sit there and try to hold on. If you're going to try to hold on, I'm going to sit there and yell at you and then I'll tell the refs to come in. If you're going to fight, fight. And you add more respect for guys like that.
1: Right. And I was the same way. I mean, like I said, I, like, fuck, if you're going to, especially if you're a league leader and fighting major, dude, I mean, are you just dropping the gloves and the belt and a bunch of guys to get, you know, your status of league leader? Like, I mean, I'm, I was like second or third in the league and I'm like, I'm getting my ass kicked here fighting guys that are, can fight back again. Mike DeGuerr, Slackovic, uh fucking uh there's freaking 20 other players in the league. I mean, every team had a I mean, one year, one year Memphis. I thought I was going to die every time I played them. I mean, they they had a killer team, but we had a tough team too. So, but I'm stupid enough to fight these guys before my other guys do, you know? Like I'm I'm trying to set the tone. And not one player that played with me can say different. Like, I, I literally, I went and I did my job, and sometimes I lost, sometimes I won. I think I won more than I lost, to be honest with you. But it was, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here with a metal plate in my hand now. I think my name's Batman still. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, you know, talk about the metal plate there in your hand. What are some of the injuries you sustained? And well, I mean, I guess, how would you end up with that, uh, that metal plate? Because I know that the role of, you know, the tough guys and the enforcers is... One of the not only mentally but physically one of the most you know the toughest job in all the sports and the injuries that come with it are just fucking insane.
1: Well, I mean, my my hands were like jello every game I fought. I mean, my left, I mean, was like would swell up and take a, a month of you know to heal up. But the problem is, you fight on a Friday night, right? I, I'd fight Mike girls on a Friday night, and then we're playing Memphis uh, the next night and having to fight a a holiday or a assignment or, or something, I mean, and your hand's like a little, you know, like a pillow because it's so swollen. I mean, what the? it's just a tough job because like, I'll never forget. I fought, and I think it was Mike DeGers. I fought Mike DeGers one night and then uh, go to Macon. And I told this Volk, like this Phil Volk, he used to run around. He's six foot, six foot five or four or whatever he was. I used to run around man, and he's just, I didn't like him. Okay. So, anyways, I said, Hey, dummy, don't do anything stupid tonight. I'll fight you Tuesday. I go, My hand's like swollen. And I never said that, right? Because I just don't let anyone know my business. Like, if I'm going to fight you, I'm going to fight you. But for this reason, I just not, did not have it in me to fight that night because my hand was so fucked up. And so he hits me from behind. I go, He goes to the penalty box and I said, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like, I'm, I'm going to get you. So he goes around the net, and I two-hand him later on in the game. And uh, he jumps me. Well, my hand's like in my left hand, man. So he goes to grab my left because that's what he's used to grabbing. And I just come over the top and just, boom, I smack him with a right. And I cut him wide open while the refs get in there.
2: <laughs>
1: matter of fact, my youngest son, he pulls out all these VHS tapes. So I've relived this, like, recently. That's why I'm it's all fresh. And so... The rest are in there, and he's called, you know, he's chirping me. I said, hey, go get fucking stiffed up, you pussy. So, anyway, can I say that?
0: Yeah, dude, fuck. This, I, yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want on this podcast, man.
1: <laughs> All right. I'm like, you know, I'm not sure sometimes. But, anyways, so the referees get in there, and he's chirping me, and I said, go get t- stissed up, you pussy, right? And he comes over the top and shatters my nose. And I'm like, I go to the penalty box. I'm calm. My nose is on the other side of my face. And uh, the referee goes, Columbus penalty to number 17, Doug Mann. Two minutes for slashing, five minutes for fighting. Uh, Making penalty to number 24, Phil Volk, five minutes for fighting. I go, fuck you. And so I just snapped, and I, uh, I tried to get him in the other. Like, I wanted to kill that motherfucker. Like, I wanted to kill him. My nose is on the other side. Jerome's telling me I got to go to the dressing room, whatever. I told the ref I was going to kill him and his family. Like, I mean, I was that mad. And so that I've just never had respect for guys like that. I I heard uh, an episode you had with, uh, was it Craig Lockhead? No, it's not oh, Craig John, Lockhead. Oh, John, John
0: Craighead? Uh, John,
1: John Craighead. Craig Lockhead, I used to play junior with him. That's where I got that from. So if you're hearing this, Craig, just give you a plug, brother. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he said about the 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 extracurriculars, and uh, I said, my God, man, I never punched anyone when the refs are in there ever. I mean, once once the fight's over, it's over. And then this Phil Valk just smacked me, and he <laughs> shattered my nose. I had to go get. I mean, it was gutless just pure gullis, And I would never do that. But that being said, there's like um, Craig had said, he said, there's times where he, you know, he regrets it and he had, you know, did it like when he doesn't respect someone, he doesn't respect someone. And I mean, but for the most part, I mean, lack gave, gave it to me a bunch of times and I respected him and he, you know, he respected me. There was never punches when the referees got in there Mike DeGurse, when there's the referees got in there, I fought him straight up. The referees got in there, we we're good. And uh, anyways, when I got suspended, I get suspended like for like four or five games for saying that to the ref. So we're, playing, we're going on a western uh, road swing. Huntsville, Memphis, Topeka, uh, San, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, Wichita, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> so our, our first game is Huntsville. So I'm in the concourse and
0: um, uh, after. So after fo- after phone problems here. All right, now now we're live. We're back. Um, <laughs> you were talking about you were you were in the concourse out in Huntsville.
1: Yeah, so we were we were suspended and the. I ran into Mike. And, you know, we trade. You know, why 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 we got suspended? And he said, "Well, you know, he did this." And I you know, I told him what I did, and and so you know, it was like a date made in heaven I said sure <laughs> so he goes I got a local bar right there. so he we, we just went out there I tell you what we spent probably three hours with each other and didn't talk one bit about our fights hockey anything we just talked about it. Huntsville Columbus guys on our team so I guess we talked about it. and it was just pretty cool that was a pretty cool moment we talked about that a couple months ago when we hung out for a night there
0: pretty dude pretty cool dude Absolutely, um, you know, it, you ended up in the WHA two. Um, what, what was it like playing in that league? Well, I only played a couple. So
1: I could have went somewhere after, like when the Cottonmouths went back to the East Coast League from the Central League. I could have went somewhere. I could have went out west and or did some. I just didn't want to be. I've never. I don't want to be a suitcase. I right? I didn't care about hockey that much. That, you know go out and travel, and I already met my wife for, you know, a few years, whatever, so she was my girlfriend at the time, but to this date we've been together 22 years, right, so I didn't want to be that guy traveling, and so when uh, they went to the SBHL, Jerome asked me if I'd come back, boom, boom, and uh, I said, yeah, I'll come back, so Tom was playing in, he was a paramedic in Birmingham or some fucking thing, I don't know, and uh, he asked me, he said, well, come play here. Come play a few games. Well, the first game I play, I'm like, 30 pounds, 40 pounds overweight, did not practice one game in, like, two years. Like, did not even practice. I go in uh, this, they're having this little fun game before they leave for making in vans, right? And so, I get on the uh, this van. Tom didn't go and play weight games because he's a paramedic. And so, I go, and, and we're playing Macon, and, and they have this guy, I think Catsburg, whatever. And he wasn't a real tough guy, but I am t- I'm literally have not played in a couple of years. I skated. I stepped on skates for the first time for 20 minutes, and get off this man in Macon, where they used to hate me. And I fight. I, the coaches said, hey, Doug, you don't have to fight. Like, just... You know, get your feet wet, whatever. And Jason Renard was on that team, and he did not go. I think he was suspended. He was on our team. <laughs> Shocker. And so he didn't go. And I'm like, we're going. So anyways, this guy, the, the coach of am making is a guy I used to play with. And I'm sure he told him, I say, if you want a good fight, you know, Dougie will fight you, whatever. Right? <laughs> anyways, the guy comes and taps me on the thing, and I'm told not to fight. But I dropped the gloves because that's just not the way I'm built. And so the guy smashes my nose through, like, this first punch. And all I remember is feeling warm blood going around. And then all of a sudden I grab and I get positioned and I start punching them. Well, the refs get in there. And I'm telling them no, no, because I'm ready to, like, that broken nose, I didn't give a fuck about that. Anyways, the refs cut in there and stopped it, man. And so. I, gave back. I have to go get reconstructive nose surgery. And and I promise you, anyone who's in that game knows that I was still standing and I was not done that fight. And that that pissed me off. But anyways, I I took a lot of rising from uh, from a few boys and all that. You know, especially the making fans. They hated me when I played, with, you know, in my prime, and they definitely loved when I got my nose shattered. And <laughs> so Anyway, that was uh that was my my W was a WH two yeah WH two. Well, fuck it. Yeah, it's... we had a tough team. It's just the, the tough guys never i never played fucking Renard and uh, and uh, Wilson. I mean, <laughs> I'm like they invite me to come play here, and I'm like, my God.
0: I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, six. three games. Years. Yeah, you had six games and 42 penalty minutes. So we we know what you were doing. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I wasn't supposed to. I was supposed to just kind of just get get my feet wet and then come back and play with Jerome for Jerome in uh, the SBHL the next year in Columbus, but I just I know, I'm not cut like that. Someone challenged me, I'm gonna fight him, and it wasn't a smart time for me to fight. <laughs> Man, it probably made that guy famous.
0: <laughs> so yeah, you win some, you lose some, like you said. Um, but like you said, also um. Fuck, you probably could have kept going. So it sucks that the linesmen get a get a little jump happy in there. You know, fuck, it seems like a well. They saw they saw today. the blood. Yeah, and they, they like to the, stop it. They
1: saw the blood, and that just that just made me hungry. I fucking I was not done. Right. Do not they do not tell me a fight's done until I tell you it's done.
0: Absolutely, and you know you brought him up earlier with the team, and I he was actually the very first player guest I ever had on, and it was Jason Renard. Did you ever have any uh, like interactions with Rennie?
1: I, I didn't. I didn't. And Rennie, if you're hearing that you're lucky. No, I'm kidding. Uh Rennie and I actually we became friends because of that little stint. And um you know, Rennie's probably the most un- misunderstood guy. The guy's all heart and he uh definitely had uh had a lot of respect in you know, any league he played. Um, you know, just like all of us, we do some dumb shit and um but man, Renard still so we were on Facebook and Actually, he he invited me and Tom Wilson to his wedding. And, um, I'm glad I didn't fight him because I'm stupid enough to fight that guy like that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I, de- I definitely would have. And, uh, you know, but uh, fortunately, I, ha- I didn't have to. And I played against him in Macon. Um, he w- really wasn't doing much, I think. No, actually, I was suspended. So uh, Tom, Tom had a good go with him. And, uh, you know, Rennie's a good, honest guy. Um, if you piss him off, he'll do something stupid. Um, you know, he got the nickname for a reason. So, (laughs) but I, I was fortunate enough not to, not to have him as one of my combatants.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Rennie's so. a good dude, and he's—I've had him on the show twice. I had him on the uh, like I said the first episode, and then I had him on for the uh, the LNH special that I did. So, um, always a good dude, and I always bullshit with him on Facebook sometimes, and or he'll chime in on some fights that we post. Uh, so it's always a good time and awesome dude. Um, but so you know, you, your last year you're wrapping it up, and you're in Columbus. You know how was that last year for you, man?
1: Well, I mean, it's like a, again, I'm that guy, like. But- like, I shouldn't have been, I mean, I took three years off, and then I'm coming on, you know, I played six games in Alabama, and then my first game back with Columbus, I, I'm i fucking 30, 40 pounds overweight. I have a weight vest on in training camp. These guys are going, who the fuck? I hear about this, Doug, man, but who the fuck is this guy? And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm skating around training camp with his weight vest on from this cop that used to be, you know, come out and skate with us. He was a goalie. And, uh, you know, he got me this player. I don't know, it was a bulletproof thing, but, and it was like 40 pounds. So, I a skating the whole training camp. It was like I had a tractor trailer on my back. I mean, I'm not fast as it is. And <laughs> so, these guys, young guys, I'm like, what the hell? Who is this guy? Did he really play? And so, anyways, I ended I, I played uh, 25 games that year. I didn't do very well. I should have stayed retired. I mean, I, or I should have kept playing and you know when i first uh, stopped i should have went somewhere and played but i didn't and so my first game i played i, I fought three times in the first game um they were saying this one guy Alipin was coming to beat me up i don't even know who this fucking guy is like i've never heard of him uh, apparently someone said he was tough but yeah i mean i wasn't worried and i it turns out he wasn't so anyway, the first uh, game I played, he goes and gives uh Orin her guy. He's just a little small guy. Um, he cross checks him or just does something. He's cut open, wide open, just bleeding all over the place. I come across the ice and I end Alton's career. He doesn't even play ever again. And uh, <laughs> then they had this other guy, and I fought twice more in that you know, same game. So my first game, I was kicked out in, the, I think, the second period. Um, I just, I mean, my first game, getting my feet back wet, I'm like, I'm not cut like that, man. Don't, don't put me on the ice if you don't want me to fight. I mean, I just, just
0: who I am. Right. And so, you know, what, what made you pack it in after that, man? Just, you just fucking, your body taking a toll on you and you just, you know, fuck, fuck this.
1: (laughs) Well, to be honest with you, we are playing Winston-Salem and Jason Bone, he's a young guy. I mean, you know who he is. Um, but he, he didn't make his name yet. He, you know, 21 year old. I think it was He's coming challenging me. And I just remembered saying no. And I go, what the fuck just happened? Because I just said no to a challenge and right there I knew I lost my heart. And once I lost my heart, I was, I said, I I was done. I go, once you don't have your heart. Like, I relied my whole career on heart. I was not a good player. I was not a good fighter. I just relied on my heart. Don't tell me I can't beat you. Don't tell me I can't, you know, do anything. But once I made that comment and I, I said no to that guy, I said, Yeah, I'm done. I, I lost it.
0: Yeah, um, no, I mean, sorry, I don't, I don't blame you. It's, it's hard to do that role when you're when your heart's not in it, too, especially, you know, with how, how tough and mentally and physically it is. So, you know, if your heart's not in it, it's you could end up getting hurt or, you know, like you said, you just you just don't feel it, you know?
1: Yeah, just uh, right there, man. It's like I was sick to my – before I wasn't sick to my stomach. I mean, I'd be playing Memphis and they'd have – or Huntsville and they'd have, you know, seven. seven. <laughs> and I mean this in all due respect when I say – because I, I thought I was a meathead. But I said, you know, they'd have seven meatheads on each team. And, I mean, I was never scared. I was just like, come on, who's first? Let's do it. Let's do it. Like let's have some fun, and uh, I was never ever scared. And but that particular moment, I remember it was in Windsor Salem, and that Jason Bone came out, and he and again he didn't have a reputation. He became a tough guy, but I, I remember him challenging me, and I said no, and I've never ever said no, and I said fuck that I'm done. I go hey let me let me go to my wife. Let me start having kids. Let me start my life and hopefully, you know, my head trauma and all that shit from, you know, my fist, my shoulders, and three let me just try to, you know, get on with my life now. I think, yeah, it was a struggle, man. Like like I said, I never resorted to any drugs. Um, definitely a alcohol user. Um, you know, I'm not drinking a bottle of Jameson like Wilson, but, uh, you know, I'm definitely drinking a few Miller Lights right now. And so, and my wife said, "Doug, be careful. You know, you, you slur. You don't realize it, but you slur when you when you're drinking." I said, "Yeah, I'm. I'm all right. I'm not like Tom. I'm not drinking a, <laughs> I'm not drinking a like <laughs> bottle of fucking whiskey before I'm doing a podcast."
0: Oh yeah, but, fuck it. A. Like I yep. said, I think about 45 minutes into that one, I could tell Tom was getting after it.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. He, he's a beauty. You know what? And he's the one who started my journey.
0: Um, so I, I definitely thank him for that.
1: Um, he, uh, he, I don't know how he told, you know, he told the owners of that first fucking team that I'm an idiot and they still accepted. So maybe they were bad owners. <laughs> I mean, but it, it was, it was a fun journey. And, uh, again, I didn't play a lot. Like I, I was, a, I was my own worst enemy, man. Like you see one game with Columbus. I, uh, Played 17 games. So what happened there? You, you, you see
0: that there? Yeah, yeah. 17 games and he got uh, 87 penalty minutes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what happened there? I mean, we, our coach uh, sat me and Tom, and this guy Jay Schneider, Matthew Schneider's brother. Um. Anyways, sat us for like 10 games, and then we're going on a road trip out west. And why the fuck he would sit all of us? Like I'm serious. Like Tom's a heavyweight or a good fighter good and tom's a, a probably a number three defenseman number well, number four if you're listening tom you're, you know your your side stride was a little questionable the pivots. but anyways <laughs> um they, so they said all three of us for like 10 games in a row so we're on this room trip and they set us and set us and someone gets injured so they dress tom but we had already accumulated this or made this uh, group up. We called this the Boozer Club, me, Jay, and uh, Tom, because we went out to the bars like, fuck, we're on this road trip going uh, Hun- Huntsville, Memphis, blah, 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 west. And so we just went to the bars every night, and then Tom gets in because a defenseman gets injured. So we start just abusing Tom, calling him a loser, that he's no longer a part of our Boozer Club. And... <laughs> Hey, so when we got back off the road trip and we went to Wichita, San Antonio, Houston, you know, all the Western swing. Get back and uh I say to Tom, I say, Hey, what do you think? He goes, Fuck guys, fuck these guys. So we went in to quit. I was first. So I go in there and I say, all right, guys. I so told the GM Phil Roberto used to play for the Montreal Canadiens and Saint Louis and all that. And Bruce Garber, I said, hey guys, you obviously don't want me. I mean, you sent me ten games. I go, fuck, I'm out of here. Trade me, or you know, trade me somewhere, or do something. But I, I want to play. Uh, there's other teams that can use me. So they fucking just were like being dicks, whatever. And since then, I've reconciled with all of them. But I, so I said, fuck you, he said, all right, I'm out of here, done. Well, Tom goes in there, and they freaking convince them different. And so he stays. So now I'm out of a job. So I start pressure washing in Columbus, Georgia. <laughs> I put a little ad out, like with my my picture on there, saying Doug Man will knock the the dirt out of grime or something, like you know. And I'm trying to make a living. <laughs> so <laughs> and Tom Wilson, fucking, um, he he bails on me a little, but he told me. Anyway, you know, he told me after, he goes, Doug, man, I had no choice when I was in there. You know, they, I guess he was a little more important, but anyways, that, uh, that being said, the next season, so I only played 17 games all year, so I stayed in Columbus and whatever. And But what was rewarding for me and gave me a little peace of mind on my career is I had five guys at my door during the next training camp getting me to, and the coach didn't call me. But I knew what it was. They they needed me in the playoffs the year before, and so they came to my door and begged me to come to training camp. And I said, "All right, I'll, I'll get my fat ass off this recliner and let's do it." And so I had the best year of my life. I scored like, I, like you can see in the playoffs there. That's when I scored the winning goal. <laughs> and, I, and just had kind a of hell. I mean, I scored, I scored more goals in the playoffs than I did, uh, um, than I did in the playoffs or in the regular season.
0: Yeah, man, you fucking – you managed to put up six points in the playoffs and still put up 31 penalty minutes too, so you are fucking getting her done. Well, what's funny about that, first round was against Macon, and um, Macon didn't have any
1: ice time, right? So they uh, – so, so anyways, they, they had to come practice in our arena, and they left this thing in their dressing room where our, our cleanup guys and all that, our equipment guys go in. And they had a, a freaking uh, scouting report. And it said, for example, number 14, Marcel Richard, you know, prolific goal scorer. Don't leave him. He's very dangerous. Um, you know, um, Jerome Bouchard, heart and soul of team. Don't get caught in his shit, you know, because he'll, he'll win a game for you, blah, blah, blah. And it goes down the list, down the list, and it says, Doug, man, he's a plus for us when he's on the ice. And so <laughs> they brought the paperwork in our dressing room and showed us this shit I'm going, fuck it. They give everyone a compliment. Well, now this is Phil Volk's team and he's good buddies with Graham James, right? And, <laughs> but I'm the only one who's a, I'm a plus for them on the ice. I, so I just I just took that as fuck you. And I scored like a few goals in that series. I destroyed them in that series. I mean, I, I, I literally, I think I got three goals in the regular season. And I just went by the bench. I scored one of my goals, and it was a beautiful goal. Like I put it top shelf, pass from Marcel, who was a, like a hundred point goal scorer, and he was never that. He was never that coach's guy where, like, he would always be. He would never be on the first line. But I mean, he's hundred point goal scorer. <laughs> he feathered one shot to me, like a pass to me, and I just put it top shelf. I went by their bench. and said, "Hey, scouting report, wrong," and I just. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, After that, they just took so many stupid
0: penalties off me.
1: I mean, it was just it was ridiculous. Like, we beat them just on that alone.
0: Oh, absolutely. Fucking shove it right back in their face, right? <laughs> well, it's, like I said, it's insecurity, right?
1: Insecurity with, with me. My whole career has been insecurity my whole life. I mean, you know, I grew up on the projects, and I'm like, everything's insecurity. Don't tell me I can't do anything. And then I've just been fortunate to be able to capitalize on some of the things, but just don't tell me I can't do anything because I'm not stubborn. I'm not stupid. I'm well, going to do it.
0: Real quick before we wrap it up here, man, because I mean, what a fucking career you had and awesome stories to go along with it. Uh, I got to ask you, and of course, we've mentioned him plenty of times, and it's, of course, you know Tom Wilson. Uh, old Willie, mm-hmm. you had a fight with him in like the 2016 Cotton Mouse like Alumni Legends game. <laughs> Did you guys just you know kind of say let's put on a show for the fans like old times or what kind of happened there?
1: Okay, so let me tell you something. I've fought Tom probably a hundred times, but <laughs> that one on YouTube or whatever is is not me. Even though he <laughs> that's uh, someone else, but it says me on there. Um, but it wasn't me.
0: Oh no, shit. Um, okay.
1: Now me, now me and Tom, Tom's been in both my weddings, and we fought the night before my wedding. Um, and all my buddies, like I said, we're going back to the Rexel skits, and they're all betting on hey, Tom because he got all big and buff and all that. You know, Tom's a big, strong guy, right? But back in high school, Tom was just like our fourth or fifth fighter. Like I mean, he just. <laughs> He was behind all of us Rexdale kids. I mean, and and he was tough. I'm just saying, but he was behind us. And um, anyway, so you know, he went and played his first year in Florida. And then I got married when I was in Raleigh, or I was gonna get married, but I got married in um, in uh, Rexdale from with a girl from Raleigh. And uh, he, uh, everyone's gone. I think Tom will beat the shit out of you now, Dougie. Fuck or whatever. And some guys said, "Yeah, Dougie's still got it, or whatever." But we went out back, and we said the first one to uh, first one to fall is uh, the winner. That's it. We will go back and drink beer. This is the night before I got married. Well, anyways, when he fell, no pun intended. I hope you're getting the message. Um, the <laughs> I had to tie up my shirt, and then we went back in and had beers. But other than that, we like. I mean, there's so many stories about Tom and Wilson and my. Like, we fought so many times. We were coming out of a strip bar, one not a strip bar, uh, gentlemen's club, is what I like to refer to. Absolutely. And <laughs> so, anyways, uh he gets clubbed in the head because we lived in the hood, bro. And so he gets clubbed in the head with you know the club that you lock a steering wheel with. Oh yeah. So he gets clubbed. In, he gets clubbed in the head. This is. This is just after him and I fought. and But me and then my other buddy got in an argument because him and I were about to get into it. So anyways, we go running after the guy, me and my buddy Greener. And this guy turns around, stabs my buddy Greener with a broken bottle, gets in the car, and it was like the movie, just jumps in the window, whatever. We go back to Tom, and face is just mangled. And um, you know we're trying to keep him waiting in the hospital because his mom was a nurse. Whatever, so we we go to the thing, but um, anyways, <laughs> his face was mad. This is after fighting me, and then gets hit with the club. And it turns out it was an initiation for like the Hell's Angels. Um, it was an, uh, a motorcycle club in uh, Rexdale called Last Chance, and they were trying to get into the Hell's Angels. So, but once I got back to the the people that we know, they're like saying, "You guys nice fuck with the wrong people here," like you know. So, me and Tom were leaving for our respective... I, I was coming to Raleigh, and he was coming to um, Lakeland. Or, no, he was coming to Columbus. And Tom's face is, like, over on the side of the state. Like, his nose is bad. And, until this day, it's still bad. It looks like he got punched with a sledgehammer. Anyways, he, uh, you know, we... Uh, I said, Tom, do do we need to get these guys? Again, you know, in our neighborhood, that's how we did, you know? like. And so, he said, no. And let's just, you know, let's go play hockey. Let's forget about this one. And I'm like, all right, that sounds good. So a buddy of ours is at a party, like, a couple weeks later. And he goes, are you the guy who freaking uh, clubbed my buddy with the the, the club there? And um, the guy pulls a gun out of my buddy's head and just goes, yeah. It? And my buddy goes, "Oh no, you're good. I was just checking. <laughs>
0: Yeah, just checking, man. No, you're good. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, you, fucking, you probably deserved it, eh? <laughs>
1: yeah, no, but I mean, it's just crazy. Like, um, the things we got away with, like, you know, there's an incident up at Tom's Cottage. It wasn't Tom's. It was near Tom's Cottage, and, uh, I mean, two of her friends got executed, uh, murdered, I mean, over a little. It was, uh, I don't know if it was a drug deal or they were helping a guy with a Jeep. Uh, pulled over but a bunch of them were at the 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 bar and we're going to get in the car and then decide not to go down the road and they were executed in the middle of the road i mean it's just been a life of like that's where we grew up and and tom tom grew up on the other side of the river but he got stuck with us because he is he was in our district for high school so I want to say that's how he became tough.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, fucking hey, you know, what a career you had and what awesome stories you fucking were able to share here. And, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been awesome.
1: Yeah, no, it's been great. And uh, like I said, I think I caught up to Tom, maybe not for the whiskey, but uh, the amount of beers drank. And so I excuse anyone who's listening and uh, hearing a little slurring. But, I mean, I was threatened, by the way, by my buddies back home. I'd better be drinking.
0: <laughs> there you go. You got to stay true to your word. That's right. <laughs> well, so. man, fucking, you know, thanks again for coming on. And, uh, you know, you have yourself a good night, all right? You all right, you too. Thanks for having
1: me, bud. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Right